Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling. Join Andy Schneider, National Spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Avian Health Program, Editor-in-Chief of Chicken Whisperer Magazine, and author of The Chicken Whisperer's Guide to Keeping Chickens, Chicken Factor Chicken Poop, and Zero Waste Chicken Keeping, as he welcomes top poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists to discuss the hot topics in the poultry world today and provide science-based, fact-based, study-based information to help you raise the healthiest poultry possible. And now, here's your host, Andy Schneider. All righty, thank you very much for tuning in today to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer brought to you by our good friends over at Tucker Milling. We have a great show lined up for you today. We've got poultry scientist Dr. Bridget McRae, PhD. She's going to be really reviewing biosecurity basics. Now, you know... As many of you are longtime listeners of the show, this is, I think, our 14th year of broadcasting the show. And so, you know, we're no stranger to biosecurity, especially biosecurity basics. You shouldn't be either, um, because just about every guest we have on, uh, uh, poultry veterinarian Dr. Pateski, he, whenever he's talking about uh, infectious poultry diseases or husbandry practices or anything, he'll say, you know, as always, he wraps up the show, let's go back and start talking about prevention, which of course would be good husbandry and good biosecurity basics. So, but with the uh, high pathogen uh, avian influenza that's going around right now, I don't necessarily know if we should call it an outbreak, but we're, it looks like 12 states uh, have, have been affected so far. We've got Maine, Kentucky, Virginia, Connecticut, Iowa, Delaware, Michigan, Indiana. Um, did I already say Maryland? Nope, Maryland, South Carolina, North Carolina, and New York. And there may, may be another one or two on that list uh, that I haven't confirmed yet. Uh, but with the uh, um, avian influenza popping its head uh, in those states, uh, both in commercial and backyard flocks, I figured it was time to go ahead and revisit biosecurity basics with Dr. McRae. Uh, it can be very simple. And, and as the national spokesperson for the USDA APHIS Biosecurity Preferreds Program for a, a decade and teaching folks all across the country, I always like to keep it as simple as possible. You know, we would hand out all the handouts and we'd say, you know, read through the entire handout. But I would always say, you know, Pick some things that you feel like uh, you would be able to do consistently. You know, if, if you get, you know, if you're like, oh, I'm gonna, I love my flock so much, I'm going to do all of this. I'm going I'm to do everything because my flock's so important to me. And guess what? You'll start maybe trying to do it all, and then you'll get to doing nothing because it'll be just overwhelming to you. So I would say, you know, start by doing some things that you know you can continue to do because every little step can reduce the chance of, say, avian influenza or any other infectious poultry disease from coming into your flock. You know, it could be as simple as, you know, um, 
putting a bottle of hand sanitizer, you know, putting it in an old uh, coffee tin and hanging it on the fence right at your gate where you enter into your poultry premises there in your backyard and use that before and, of course, after you go in there to take care of your poultry. You know, using one pair of designated shoes that you only wear in your backyard with your flock. You're not wearing them to the feed store. You're not wearing them next door to your friends who also have chickens or also have a farm. Uh, Those shoes basically slip off before you come back into your house, slip them back on before you go and take care of your poultry. So, you know, that's another thing that you can do. So, you know, and, and, you know, I, I, for for example, I don't think it would be realistic. You can choose to do this, but I think it would get old pretty fast uh, for you to stop by the car wash, for example, and hose off your wheels and tires on your vehicle every time after you leave the feed store. Uh, yeah, I don't know of any average backyard keepers that are actually going to do that. Um, but you know, how many other people and how many other chicken owners? drive to that feed store on Saturday, pick up that feed or pick up those chicken supplies and they're driving their vehicle from their farm, from their homestead and could be tracking disease in that way. Um, Is the average, say, soccer mom who's got a dozen chickens in her backyard going to be stopping by the car wash after leaving the the, uh, feed store? Probably not. Okay, so back when we were uh, uh, doing and touring the country, I try to, you know, just keep it simple. Let's choose some things that we can do in our backyard that we can stick with. And, uh, you know, sure, read the whole read the whole biosecurity brochure by all means, but then pick some things that you feel like you can consistently do to try to reduce the risk of avian influenza and any other infectious backyard, you know, poultry diseases. Um, and it can go a long way. Okay, so that, that was my kind of take on this when we were teaching it nationwide for, for a decade. And uh, every little bit can help uh, keep your flock healthy. And another real quick one is, you know, we love backyard birds. Sure we do. Um, and a lot of people out there have those backyard bird feeders, those backyard bird baths. And because and, and you love to, you know, oh, it's wintertime. I need to supplement, you know, uh, feed for them. And I love seeing them come around. But guess what? You're actually inviting the possibility of infectious poultry diseases to your flock, including avian influenza, uh, because oftentimes we'll see in the blogs and forums, people will say, uh, you know, so, uh, just an innocent question. Hey, I saw some bird seed on sale at the local store. Can I buy that and, and just give it to my chickens as, as a treat? And then notoriously down in that thread, there will be many people that say, oh, when I let my chickens out of the coop in the morning, they make a beeline directly to our bird feeders. And they get under the bird feeders and they eat all the bird seed that the wild birds have spilled. And then we have to get into explaining why that's not such a great idea. Uh, Bird baths and wild bird feeders, uh, you know, if you want to enjoy them, put them in your front yard away from your flock where your flock doesn't have access. You know, and, and and again, a lot of you might be saying things like, well, I can't stop every wild bird from, you know, just flying over my backyard or landing in my backyard and taking off. I can't really stop that. And uh, no, but uh, you surely you don't have to attract them uh, with all the bird seed and the bird bass and things like that. Uh, so, uh, again, it's kind of like, do you want to have uh, one potential issue or do you want to create potential issues. Uh, so do you just want to have you a good biosecurity plan and I always try to kind of keep it as simple as possible and get folks kind of excited about it, but keep it kind of simple. And I say, hey, you know, whatever you can do, here's some, here's some tips, here's some tricks. And because uh, I feel like if you just look at the brochure and I'm going to do everything, I'm going to stop by the car wash every time I leave the feed store and wash my tires. 
you're going to get burned out. You probably won't do it very often, and then your whole biosecurity plan will go away instead of just continually trying to do some simple things that can help you keep your biosecurity plan uh, active in your backyard. Hey, we're going to go to commercial break. When we come back, we're going to bring on uh, Dr. Bridget McRae, and we're going to talk about biosecurity basics uh, probably for the next about 40, 45 minutes. Don't go away. We'll be back right after this short break. Are you dealing with a stinky coop or brooder? Backyard chicken owners are loving Chick Fresh. Not only does it eliminate the nasty odors, but it also eliminates the dangerous and unhealthy ammonia. You can use Chick Fresh in your coop, brooder, garbage can, litter boxes, and more. Even use it in your spouse's smelly shoes. Get your bottle 15% off today by going to coopcarespecial.com. Take back control and say no to nasty odors. Strong Animals uses plant-based products and natural approaches to promote the health and vitality of backyard flocks. Our daily snacks, water additives, and coop refresher products contain organic essential oils, prebiotics, and other natural ingredients to promote digestive health and immunity. Give your chicks and chickens what they need to thrive with Strong Animals products. Available at local farm stores across the country and Amazon. Visit GetStrongAnimals.com today to learn more. Since 1921, Stromberg's has been a family-owned and operated business providing quality poultry and poultry supplies to their customers. Today, the Stromberg's family offers over 200 different breeds of poultry, including chickens, waterfowl, and game birds. They also offer poultry supplies for both the beginner and experienced poultry keeper. Stromberg should be on the top of your list when it's time to order your new day-old baby chicks and poultry supplies. Order online today at StrombergsChickens.com. That's StrombergsChickens.com. When you need an incubator, think Brincy, the incubation specialists. Brincy has been a world-leading manufacturer of quality incubators for almost 40 years. They manufacture incubators that hold anywhere from 7 to 380 eggs with high-quality electronic and digital controls, including precise humidity controls and programmable egg turning, all at surprisingly affordable prices. Enter the coupon code WHISPER at checkout and receive 10% off your entire order. Order your new incubator today at Brincy.com. That's B-R-I-N-S-E-A.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. All right, I do this uh, every uh, podcast, but I want to remind everybody that you too can subscribe to the totally free digital edition of Chicken Whisperer Magazine. Just go to chickenwhisperermagazine.com and and, uh, hit somewhere on that page to subscribe. You can subscribe again to the free digital edition or it's $9.95 per year if you want the print edition mailed directly to your home. And it is, again, expert advice about keeping a backyard flock of chickens healthy chickens, I should say, uh, from experts like poultry veterinarians, poultry scientists, and poultry nutritionists. So go check that out at uh, chickenwhisperermagazine.com. Already, like I said earlier, um, I think I've got 12 states currently uh, that have been affected by the current, quote, outbreak of the uh, avian influenza. We've got Maine, Kentucky, Virginia, Connecticut, Iowa, Delaware, Michigan, Indiana, um, 
Maryland, South Carolina, North Carolina, and New York. I believe that counts up to 12. Some were commercial flocks. Some were actually backyard flocks. Some were mixed flocks, meaning, say, waterfowl and, and chickens alike. And so uh, I figured it would be a good time for me to bring on Dr. McRae, and we'll uh, review, again, biosecurity basics for our backyard. Dr. McRae, thank you for coming on today and talking about this well-needed topic. Hi, Andy. How are you today? I'm doing fantastic. I'm, I'm doing fantastic, and uh, it looks like uh, avian influenza has reared its ugly head again here in the states. And uh, we yeah. we need to we just need to do what we can to try to prevent it from affecting us. I guess at the end of the day. Right. Yeah. It's a it's um it's part of the you said it perfectly at the beginning. It's part of a thought process. Everyone enjoys the baby chick. Everyone loves the fresh eggs and their happy chickens. But it's not all daisies and roses. Sometimes you've got to think about all the steps you need to do to keep your flock happy and healthy. So when you asked me to, to talk about biosecurity, the three areas that I'm going to break it down into are isolation, traffic control, and sanitation. Okay. So let's let's focus and kind of break down the isolation part. Um, so if you've got chickens, um, first of all, the ideal situation is that you are alone. You are not surrounded by everybody else's flocks and that your flock stays with you and it's all one age group. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people do this. They they get their flocks, they enjoy their chickens, and once they stop laying, they have a great life um, with you. And, um, yes, there might be a temptation to get more birds, but, you know, maybe for one reason or another, you don't. That's an ideal situation, keeping one age group, bringing in no new birds, perfect. Uh, you want to prevent contact with different age groups of chickens. Um, new chickens coming in can bring in disease. You don't know their antibody history. So unless you were the one who did the raising of those chickens, you can't know for sure what that bird's been exposed to. And even then, sometimes folks don't know. Um, So maybe this year, folks, this isn't the year for springtime swap meets and sales. Mm -hmm. You don't want to inherit somebody else's problem. Mm -hmm. So recently acquired birds, uh, maybe not this spring. Just wait. Just wait. Wait until this threat has passed. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, it's delayed gratification, but, you know, we all know how, how dedicated small flock owners are to their flock. And when we know the problem is gone, then then cool. With, with small steps, you can return to, all right, maybe it's time to build a second coop and keep these two age groups different. Or... I know I'm going to have trouble going into Tractor Supply or my local feed store because there's baby chicks there. And I know I can't say no. (laughs) So 
Build that second coop now so that you can keep them isolated from your much older flock, which has had a much more mature immune system, has survived whatever it is they're going to survive to the, to this date. And, of course, new chicks, they're naive. They're brand-new immune systems. You need to accommodate and have your housing situation reflect that kind of respect for these young birds. Um, so, swap meets, yeah, not this spring. Mm-hmm. Maybe in the fall. Maybe in the fall. Um, build a separate coop for new birds if you know you can't say no. Any new bird you bring in need to be under strict quarantine for several weeks. And if anybody shows the slightest sign of anything, you're going to take a sample to the vet. Now, that means if you're going to bring in new birds, that does not mean plunk them down next to your current flock. Mm -hmm. That means they need to be as physically far away from your current flock as possible, which may mean you're setting up a quarantine coop, Mm -hmm. (laughs) going back to a separate facility. Um, Maybe it's a shed that has good ventilation, or um, maybe it's in the garage away from where you keep the feed. But it needs to be completely separate housing, completely separate food and water equipment, completely separate um, cleaning equipment, and that includes rakes, um, anything you use for clean-out, wheelbarrows, that sort of thing. I mean, I ain't got time for that. <laughs> we all know what the bacteria and the viruses are going to do, right? We've said it over and over and over and over and over. And you know, so we know what they're going to do. You know what you need to do if you're not going to do it, if you can't do it, if you can't swing it, then don't put yourself in that situation because you know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. You run a major risk. So it's, it's you know, we all have to put our big chicken keeper pants on and make the big chicken keeper pants decisions. Mm-hmm. And so that means holding off on some of this. And I'm, I'm, question, guilty, I'm, I'm guilty of that, too, um, in the past. And I know a lot of people uh, that I've met over the years that, that kind of – they will they'll know that you know what my my layers are going to start slowing down after about three years you know it used to be uh two years are just going to stop laying and you know a lot of people say that we're like no 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 but but a lot of us will say okay my layers are going to slow down in about three years so they'll get into a rotation i know lots of people that do this um and somewhere around some some at two years but say at three years they'll order another say 50 uh chicks from their favorite hatchery like ideal and then they'll raise them in the brooder. They'll get them about the same size, and then they'll 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 ta- they'll ban them, uh, ban ban the legs, tag them, and then that way, and then they will introduce them because okay, now I've got fifty of my new layers because my other fifty are starting to real three years are slowing down. I'm starting to see less eggs, but I still need to keep selling to my you know, restaurant or my friends or whatever. And they will they don't have two separate places, so it's it is right. it is a risk. And um but so they'll so get in that rotation every birds, two or three or it years. It might be five. Correct. You know, correct. it doesn't have to be fifty birds. It could be 
two or three birds. You're right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you you live that life. You are in that situation. You have a great mm-hmm. number of birds. Tell me about your risks. Oh, well, of course, we've got <laughs> all kinds of risks. We try to eliminate predator risk by having livestock guardian dogs. Uh, we do free range. No, um, I mean risks, disease risks. Oh, and in our backyard, in our situation, disease risk, of course, you explained that. When you, you know, introduce the add, new birds, what are your risks? Oh, wow. Let's see. There are risks of maybe coxie, I think we have a risk of, by getting the new baby chicks as well. And even though we raise them separately from our current layers, they will be incorporated once they're all about the same size and they go into the same coop and the same roosts. So we've got we've got that issue. Um, and then whatever they get possibly from where we raise our other birds, when we introduce them to our uh, our main flock, they could bring – and then stress – uh, our main flock may have disease. You know, that's why I get on to people saying, oh, my chickens look absolutely healthy. Look how healthy they look. But but you don't know. I don't, I don't you know, I, don't, I never say that because looking at it, my flock right now out the window, I can't say, oh, look how healthy they are because I can't remember the last time I had it tested for anything. Um, so but, and whenever you, you I need to come teach you chicks, how to draw blood. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, need to, I then, need to come teach you how to draw blood <laughs> so that you can take a blood sampling without sacrificing a bird. And get some testing done so that you can kind of add, you know, what? how far are you from the diagnostic lab? 30 minutes? Oh, maybe 30 minutes, yep. So I'm just right around the corner, which is fantastic. Um, and it's a great facility as well. But, but yeah, but also I'll add this to our new folks. When you combine those birds, let's say I've got something lurking in my current flock out there, my current layers, and, and whatever disease they may or may not have is has that kind of, uh, you talk about it a lot, having that, uh, relationship. You know, I'll just hang out in your gut and won't give you any problems if you don't give me any problems. And it's there and it's lurked. And when you add more birds, that's going to have stress involved and then that's going to, that disease may rear its ugly head. So I often tell folks it may not just be the birds that you're bringing in. It could be an issue with your current flock and then you stress them and then that disease rears its ugly head because of the stress of adding new birds to your current flock. Because here this whole time you thought your current flock was, oh, healthy, look how beautiful and happy they are. But inside, something is lurking. Right. So your flock free ranges, right? So that means wild birds, I mean, yep. they're going to come in contact with them, correct? And um, how many birds do you have? Right now, we've reduced our flock from, from we did have 125, and right now we're at probably around 45 or 50 of our layers. Okay. So... Some somebody else might have anywhere from like three to ten, or mm-hmm. you know maybe a few more. Okay, so they might be in a situation where they can pop those chickens in a chicken coop that has a run, and just keep them away from or minimize contact with um, wild birds, wild mm-hmm. waterfowl for sure. If you've got a pond, mm, yeah, you don't want to encourage any wild waterfowl this year, mm-hmm. ever, really, mm-hmm. from coming in contact because that's that's a problem. So if you see any dead wild birds, dispose of them immediately. Consider them infectious. Change clothes, do your laundry, um, wash up, Okay. Sanitize the area where the bird, bird, dead bird was found, and then move on. And during then this if outbreak, you've got, 
would they need to report that during, especially during this outbreak that we're experiencing now, as if it's a waterfowl, maybe? Um, I yeah. If you've got a diagnostic lab, you can. Okay. Um, but if you if you're nearby, if it's practical to do so. Mm-hmm. Um. But then, wild birds like exactly what you said: bird baths, bird houses, bird feeders. Put them up this spring. Mm-hmm. I mean, we all know that those birds do not depend, and it's been proven that wild birds do not depend on food sources or water sources provided by bird baths and bird feeders. So maybe this year, scrub them up, put them up to midsummer, mm-hmm. okay, and then break them back out for fall migration, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you want to minimize contact with wild birds. This year, if you could lock them up this spring, yeah, folks, they're going to give you the stink eye. But like I said, you got to put your your big flock keeper pants on and make the, the tough decision. And when disease viruses call your bluff, you know, it's not pretty, but it's also not for forever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the isolation we're looking for. Maybe maybe send somebody else into tractor supply to make that feed purchase so that you're not tempted. Or if you're the flock keeper, send your friend or partner in and say, okay, you go buy the feed because I, just, I can't come in contact with any of those chicks inside there. And I just know it's not right. Mm-hmm. I know it's not right. And honestly, if you're if you're going to the feed store because you're tempted by stuff, um, and you're kind of going in there and you're like, oh, I, I kind of want to explore new things, there are online resources that have probably newer and more varied uh, products out there for you to explore. Although, yeah, I know it's not as much fun as picking it up and reading the back of it and you know, shaking it and taking it apart, but maybe not this spring. Wait till the summer. So let's move on to traffic control, okay? Definitely avoid going into um, other people's chicken flocks. Um, Avoid going and transporting somebody else's chicken equipment. Um, so, yeah, maybe you go to a swap and you don't buy birds, but, oh, somebody's got one of those those antique wood, wooden chicken crates, and mm-hmm. and you know it's been used, and it's wood, and it's not sealed. Maybe don't store that next to your chicken feed or next to your coop. Maybe store that. Um, maybe don't buy it, but maybe store it someplace uh, away from your flock because there are some organisms that can hang out for months on the surface of equipment. And especially Unless being wood, I guess, because can you really, um, whether it be oxine or any of the other kind of cleaners that we may use or the vinegar or just whatever, uh, sunlight, um, can can you really ever get something wood, like the, a wooden floor in your coop or a wooden brooder? Can, can, but can you really ever get that? I, I did research clean. on that with a, a, a particular organism, but we didn't have access to the wooden crates because mm-hmm. 
you know, nobody uses those other than backyard clock owners. And, mm-hmm. you know, plastic is so much easier to clean and so much safer. Sanitize. So we looked at mm-hmm. the plastic crates. Yeah, not the gotcha. wooden crates. Um, so, you know, honestly, if you do have a chance to sanitize equipment, do so. And by sanitize, that means, you know, the three, and we'll go through that in sanitation, you got to go through the three steps and stages. Um not everybody needs to see your chicken, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, there might be some new chicken keepers. Like the other day I was cleaning out my hatching time um, grow-out pens after my trial, and, you know, I had them out on the driveway, and I was power washing them. <laughs> I just I saw it all happening. He, he saw me out there, and he rolled with up, does a U-turn in my neighbor's driveway, comes back, and he wants to – he wants to see all this stuff, and, and he wants to go out and see the chicken coops, and I was just like, nope. He says, oh, I just want to see how you how how you put them together. I'm like, you know, here's the person who has the plans and the designs, and you can get it from him, but, you know, I, I see you've got chicken feed in the back of your truck, and I can't let you out there. I remember back in the day, was, Doc. He was really put out, too. He was an old guy. He was kind of looking to, yeah. you, know, you know, shoot the breeze. And I'm just like, no, I'm sorry, sir. I appreciate that, you know, but i got to keep my birds safe. Yep. And I was, I, I I was re- bummed. I felt bad. <laughs> but, you <laughs> I know, remember my, back my in the day. still here. It was like pulling teeth to get some of the, uh, remember the chicken coop tours. I haven't seen them so much recently, but that was a huge thing. Austin, Texas, Atlanta, Portland, a lot of folks would have these annual chicken coop tours. And it was like pulling teeth when I contacted the organizers to say, you know, consider what's your biosecurity plan. You've got all these people going from coop to coop to coop to coop one afternoon. You know, these folks do not do not need to be in the coop in the run. You know, set a set a perimeter. They can see have have books of what if there's something inside that coop that you're proud about, have pictures of it. They do not to be they do not need to be in the run or in the coop. Uh, are you issuing booties at the beginning of this tour or between, at, at every stop or are you doing hand sanitizer? All this stuff. But it was really like pulling teeth because you know you always got the well we've never had a problem or well you know, yeah. but uh, <laughs> it was it was kind of like pulling teeth to try to get the coop tours to sign on to some biosecurity say you know flag off an area they can see everything they can see you know 30 40 feet away they do not need to be going in your running in your coop all these people and then going into the run uh, for 20 coops on tour today it was it was tough yeah um if you've got a way to keep people out and away from your chickens um and, and honestly sometimes it's as simple as putting the sign up uh keep out or fire secure area do not enter mm-hmm. and um you know, if that doesn't do it, if you've got neighbors who are, you know, dense, <laughs> put a lock on stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's, that sends the message you need to send. I mean, like, I've got locks on my coops. So, um, you know, when when it comes right down to it, you know, I've got locks on the gate so they can't get up there. And I've got locks on the actual coops so they can't go in. And that sends the message. And, and as a good story, one of the 4-H families from years ago had a really sweet neighbor, had chickens of his own. 
but always wanted to take his grandkids on the gator over to see their flock because they had fancy show chickens, the cool ones, you know, and a really nifty setup. And they were, they got to the point where they're like, you know, your chickens are sick. We'd appreciate it if you didn't come over. And he was like, oh, I'm just showing the kids and stuff like that. And, you know, disregarded it one time. And after that, there was a lock on the door. And he called. He says, oh, I tried to come over and see, show my grandkids your chickens. And there was a lock on the door. And they're like, we told you. We would appreciate it if you didn't come in because your chickens are always sick. Oh, well, they're just backyard chickens. And, you know, he he just wasn't getting the message. And without trying to beat him over the head with information, which clearly wasn't going to be the solution that, that they were looking for, they just had to put a lock on the gate. And and that was that. No more entries. Um, so, you know, it's, sometimes you have to just, without creating conflict with neighbors, and fellow chicken keepers, come up with a good solution. Um, when you're out there with your own chicken, if you haven't thought of it, you need to seriously consider dedicated footwear. So go find that really awesome pair of chicken boots because we all know they're out there. We've seen them on our Facebook feeds and on some of these websites. Go get that pair of chicken galoshes that you know you will wear out to that flock and no where else on planet earth because it's a dedicated set of shoes or galoshes or whatever that you only wear with your chickens um i do recommend that if you can have dedicated clothing for taking care of the birds do it overalls are great coveralls are great ladies gents put a hat on your head and just making sure that the only place you wear them is out to your chicken coop. Uh, and when you can, you've got some great solutions now for sanitizing footwear. Because even in just the walk from where you keep your feed, if it's not where your flock is, uh, to the actual coop, you might pick something up on your footwear. But foot baths, man, they're great. And then Alabama Cooperative Extension System has a backyard um, chicken flock series of videos put together. Um, Really good one on how to put a foot bath together. And the nice thing is now they have dry foot bath materials that you can use. Um, Here's the hint for real success there. Uh, and I've seen I've seen it happen at our school farm. People try to step over the foot bath, so make it big. We're, you're you're trying to outsmart the humans here, right? Make it big. So or get the get the plastic disposable boot covers. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know if you if you have an issue with throwing those away afterwards because you don't want to you know fill the landfill, well. Go ahead and get yourself a foot bath. There are lots of products from Novasan to Oxine and everywhere in between you can mix into a foot bath and put out there with a lid for folks to step into. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's really not hard. 
watch that video on the YouTube page on the foot baths on the backyard. What is it? I named that series <laughs> Backyard Chicken Basics. There you go. <laughs> Had a moment. Um, <laughs> have that long, have that long-handled brush for your foot bath. You've got that long-handled and brush. It's in the video. Yes. Yes. Keep yep, it absolutely. simple. No borrowing tools from your neighbor. Right. Yes. Mm -hmm. And if you do have to borrow tools from your neighbor, make sure you clean it before you put it on your property and before you give it back to them. And if you're not willing to do that, then don't borrow it. Um, And if you have any variation in the different age groups that you have on your farm, Like, say you've got, you know, eggs in the incubator and chicks in the brooder room and your regular flock outside. There is a specific order of actions that you need to do every day. And if you're doing these things more than once a day, then you do the specific order of actions however many times a day that you're doing it. So, you always go from youngest to oldest and never go back. So if you've got an incubator that you need to check on maybe two times a day, maybe that's a job for somebody else in the family, especially if it's like a uh, an incubator that doesn't have a turning apparatus in it and you have to turn those eggs manually four times a day. Well, if you're also the caretaker for the older birds, yeah, I might not be the caretaker for the incubator. So <clears throat> give that job to somebody else. You can be the the reminder-er for that person. Did you do that? Did you do it? Did you do it? Get it done. Um, no dinner until you get it done, that sort of thing. But if it comes to taking care of your brooder and then taking care of your older chickens, you're going to go from the brooder to the older chickens and then preferably change your clothes, take shower before you care for the birds in the brooder again in the day. That would be ideal. That's what we do when we're in a no-nonsense situation such as um, disease. So preferably dedicated clothing, Dedicated individuals for certain tasks. Um, Use a foot bath. Always wash your hands before and after working Mm -hmm. with poultry. That that includes Mm -hmm. just egg gathering, too, because stuff ends up on the eggs. We all know the chickens step all over their eggs. (laughs) And so just, you know, you don't need to go, oh, I just collected eggs. I, I can go take a look and see why that chick's screaming its head off in the brooder box. Uh, no, you got to wash up and maybe send somebody else in there to figure out. And if you're the only person who knows what's going on, train the rest of your family. Because you can't go it alone when you've got more than one age group and there's disease organisms lurking around in our um, different flyways that, you know, they're no joke. Uh, I mean, Andy's been telling you about them, so they're no joke. Um, And if any of your birds should die, take care of that mortality immediately. 
You don't want to attract bugs. You know that your chickens will eat a dead bird. You don't want it to to have something that it could continue to pass on to the rest of your flock. So take care of any mortality immediately. So dispose of the carcass and whether that's, you know, a bird that you um, bury or incinerate immediately or maybe you've got a compost pile and you're going to compost. It's got to be a hot compost pile. Um, Take care of that carcass immediately. You don't leave it in there for the birds to kind of pick at. Mm-hmm. For bugs to come in. Yeah, it's interesting. And then I'm looking at time, so we'll get to your other two steps here. But I've, I've noticed, I've kind of in my mind categorized it over the years as the haves and have-nots. Those that have had an outbreak, say, of coccidiosis or an outbreak or some type of in, infectious poultry disease in their flock. And those that, say, haven't, and when you talk to them, their their opinions and what they do oftentimes is drastic because um, because they've had this problem and they learned from it and now they're doing things the, the right way and then those that again haven't and so they're like oh I've never had a problem so I don't have to do that and then there's the ones oh I have had a problem and this is why I do that now because I've seen the devastation and I don't want to have that devastation again um, so it's interesting you've got the different opinions between the haves and have-nots based on whether they've had an outbreak or a disease in their flock or they haven't. And that's unfortunate um, that folks will, won't, you know, well, I've never had a problem. So, I don't, so uh, again, sometimes it's an uphill, uphill battle. Um, I'm going to go to a very, very quick uh, commercial break. When we come back, we'll continue to the next two steps uh, that Dr. McRae wants to share with us. We're talking, if you're just tuning in, uh, we're talking with Dr. Bridget McRae. We're talking uh, about biosecurity basics, um, and we will continue that when we return after this short break. So please stay with us. Metzer Farms is now hatching and shipping the premier egg layer. This girl is consistently laying jumbo eggs with a higher nutrient density and lower water content than your eggs now. She is an extremely hardy bird and the most heat and cold tolerant egg layer available, allowing for year-round outdoor production. An eggshell unmatched in sturdiness and thickness, making cracks a thing of the past. Increase your health and double your egg profits. Of course, we're talking about ducks. Duck eggs are revered by chefs for their succulent flavor and by bakers for being the better baking egg. Learn more about this extraordinary duck, the Golden 300, or any of our other 35-plus breeds of ducks and geese at MetzerFarms.com and order your next flock from us. Ideal Poultry has been a family-owned and operated business since 1937. Their business is built on customer service and quality poultry. From rare white and brown egg layers to broilers, ducks, turkeys, and bantams, Ideal Poultry is the largest supplier of backyard poultry in the United States, shipping close to 5 million chicks annually. Visit them online at IdealPoultry.com. That's IdealPoultry.com. The Yardbird Chicken Plucker takes the hassle out of backyard chicken processing by fully defeathering birds in just 15 seconds. Powered by a 1.5 horsepower electric motor, the Yardbird Chicken Plucker can handle two 8-pound birds at one time, while the built-in irrigation ring keeps your hands free for other butchering tasks. The 20-inch stainless steel drum features 110 rubber plucking fingers that gently remove feathers and dirt without tearing the skin. 
When butchering is complete, the plucker rinses clean with just soap and water. To learn more or purchase your plucker, visit YardbirdPluckers.com. And now we return to Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer with your host, Andy Schneider. Hey, I want to very quick tell you about a product over at Carefree Enzymes, um, carefreeenzymes.com. And uh, I'm going to be ordering some here in the next couple of weeks. And um, I was talking with them earlier in the week. They make a product now for those of you who like hummingbirds. We've been talking about wild birds, but you'll have these hummingbird feeders. And then you have a problem with bees as well. And so they've developed an all-natural enzyme-based product that uh, for you hummingbird lovers around the country, uh, this is where, you know, if you don't have backyard chickens to, to worry about biosecurity. But, um, and this is a product you can just spray. It comes in a spray bottle, and you can spray the hummingbird feeder. It's nothing you mix into uh, that sugary goodness that the hummingbirds like. You just spray the hummingbird feeder with this enzyme product, and it is supposed to um, reduce or even completely eliminate bees from coming over to that hummingbird feeder. Um, they also claim it works really well for Japanese beetles, so that's one reason why I'm going to order it because we don't have a single hummingbird feeder here, but we do uh, last year and the year before had our share of Japanese beetles uh, in our garden and so I'm gonna. It's worth a try because all natural enzyme based. So go check them out. Carefreeenzymes.com. All righty, let's get back over here to Dr. McCray, and she'll kind of go through these other two things that we need to think about in our biosecurity plan for our backyard. So it's funny that you should mention hummingbird feeders because I saw those for sale on, I think it was QVC this morning. And I was like, oh, mm-hmm. look at that! <laughs> so good timing. All right, yeah, so the last topic we're gonna hit is sanitation. Okay. Once a year, you need to do a full clean-out of your coop, but more regularly, you need to get the manure out of there. So when you are working with manure from your coop, um, I would say either compost it in a compost pile and preferably make it a hot compost pile. And the University of Georgia Extension has a really good... Um, composting chicken manure uh, fact sheet that you can use and it is also geared for backyard flock owners not just commercial so um, just know that there is information out there so you can compost it or you can spread it in a very thin layer out in the field that you might have available to you Uh, but you want to make sure that it dries quickly so that you are not breeding flies in a kind of a wet pile of something. Uh, and and you want to make sure that you don't spread near your neighbor's pond. Or if your neighbor's got chickens, you don't want to spread it near them. Because, yeah, you might think your coops and your flock's healthy, but you don't need to, you don't need to spread any potential disease around toward other birds. Okay? Uh, if you do have um, if you do have any sort of a chicken coop that you can move the chickens into while you clean the main coop, um, you know, clean it out. Use a sanitizing spray. Um, let it dry, and if you can, leave it vacant for a couple of weeks. That's what commercial folks do. Um, not sure if that would work for everybody, 
by, you know, take a look at the sanitizers. You really want to find a sanitizer that is effective against the worst possible organisms, which is Newcastle disease and avian influenza. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's lots of sanitizers that work. They really work well on cleaned surfaces. So that means cleaning out the coop, um, soap and water and elbow grease, letting it dry, and then applying your sanitizer. Um, if you can do it more often, the better. Um, any equipment needs to be sanitized using that same kind of sanitizer. And then, you know, maybe every other year you alternate between some other product, you know, mm-hmm. quaternary ammonium, and then next year you choose something else. Um, and put it on a rotation, just like you would um, rodent control or insect control. And you do want to keep those in check because they can carry disease to your flock, even though you've done a good job keeping them cooped up because, you know, avian influenza is in the area. And, Andy, we are about to get to gnat and mosquito season. We are, <laughs> we are right on the cusp for right. everybody that is about to go on to the Internet and start talking about, oh, something's biting my chickens, and it's terrible, and these gnats, I don't know what to do. And I just wish some of these researchers would start taking a look at, you know, gnats and gnat control measures for our backyard flock owners because, boy, it's rough in the spring. But clean, best you can do, okay? Keep things clean. Don't drive stuff you know, sick birds, new birds, um, look for signs of illness. Uh, You definitely want to avoid um, any sort of respiratory coughing, sneezing, gasping, anything from the nose, eyes, Mm -hmm. uh, any Mm -hmm. sort of listless, unhappy birds. Those are, you know, that's actionable. Go get a diagnosis. Find that veterinarian now before you need them that will see chickens. And that may mean that your county doesn't have it, but the county next to you might. Mm, could be a two-hour drive. Not unheard of. Yeah, it's not unheard of for a four-hour drive just to see a vet who will see chickens, okay? Mm-hmm. Avian or exotic vets, you should call them too because some of them have um, bird experience. But there you go, Andy. I hope your, your, your flock followers will take things seriously this year and at least for the next couple of months i know organic producers if they're commercial organic they're not letting their birds out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-mm. you know those birds are in lockdown to keep them alive and, yeah, if, and you, keep... you know and if they don't have names for their birds and you do then mm, you might want to consider making some changes yeah, and you keyed on something that I'll share as well, which is, I think, very important, is to know your flock. Uh, oftentimes, we'll see pictures of, say, a bumblefoot that is the size of a golf ball or larger, and we're like, how did this not – they- oh, look what I just saw. It must have just happened overnight. And, and even Dr. Potesky sees a lot of that as a vet. He's like, no, it's been going on for some time. So not pointing fingers, but, you know, observe your flock. You know, that five-gallon bucket can go a long way to the health of your flock, meaning – Sit on that five-gallon bucket in your run and look at your chicks, look at your chickens, handle them, you know, see what they're weighing, see, you know, feeling the weight of them. So when you see something that's out of the ordinary, you immediately know it. Um, So, yeah, observation, knowing your flock, knowing their norm. Again, like you said, so when something is out of order, 
you immediately know that because you're out there with them and you know your flock as you should. So thanks for keying in on that too because that's so important as well. And, um, and folks, if uh, uh, we thank Dr. McCray for coming on, that we have done many episodes over 14 years, so you can go back and listen to them all about biosecurity. Has it been Most, that long? I think this is our fourth. I think this is our 14th year of doing the podcast. Yes. Wow. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> yep. 12 okay. over 1200, 1,200 episodes or something. And can you believe the magazine? I think we're in our seventh year uh, of the magazine. I know. And you're gonna and you're gonna be so proud of this. Literally today, I started. I pulled out the notebook and I started taking some notes on Cooptastic 2023. So Woo! I'm looking. Yep, I'm looking at, you know, because the, the pandemic really just kind of, you know, even if we would have done everything right, and I know we would have at the event, I think our still numbers would have been, you know, this takes a lot of work uh, to do this event, and we yeah. want to make sure we have the turnout. So it's like do all this work, and then not many people come because of their view of the pandemic. So now, you know, so, yep, I pulled out, I started looking. I'm like, okay, what, we're looking at the dates in, you know, March, and, and you know, we know what facility we're going to use, but then I'm starting to, you know, research in my head for sponsors and get them on board. So I've started to think about 2023 Cooptastic and have that, that, that again because that was such an amazing and awesome event. And, folks, I'm about to post another video on the Center for Small Flock Research page, okay. um, Facebook page. So um, look for a new product out there. Um, yeah, maybe they'll be one of our sponsors. Yep, that sounds fantastic. And thanks for coming on today, Doc. I really appreciate it, and we'll see you back here in a couple of weeks. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. Alrighty, thank you very much for tuning in today. Biosecurity Basics with my special guest. Uh, and she is a special guest, but she's been coming on the show for about now 14 years, uh, Dr. Bridget McRae. She also is a contributor to Chicken Whisperer Magazine, along with Dr. Pateski, along with Dr. Fox, along with Dr. Williams, along with Dr. Uh, Curran Gehring. Um, all these very brilliant people in the poultry industry on the podcast here on, in our magazine, writing for our magazine, because we want to make sure that you get the right information, science-based, fact-based study information. That's what it's all about, and we hope you enjoy that. And if I can push the correct button here, then we'll go ahead and end this show. Thank you so much. We'll see you next week right here on Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer. This has been Backyard Poultry with the Chicken Whisperer, brought to you by Tucker Milling, with your host, Andy Schneider. For more information, find us on the web at chickenwhisperer.com, on Facebook by typing in The Chicken Whisperer, on Twitter at Backyard Poultry, and on Instagram at The Real Chicken Whisperer. Thanks for listening.